Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. It's been 16 years since a Republican won in Connecticut's 5th Congressional District. It was Nancy Johnson who lost to Chris Murphy after a longtime career in Congress, which included representing the former 6th District. Could 2022 be the year for a Republican to take back the 5th District seat? Coincidentally, it'll be the same year districts could be redrawn based on the latest census numbers. The 5th District in Connecticut has been described as purple with a wide range of voters from different political affiliations. Today on Where We Live, we talk to former state senator and Republican George Logan. He wants to stop Representative Johanna Hayes from winning a third term. Do you live in the 5th District? It's expected to be the most competitive congressional race in Connecticut next year. You can join our conversation, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Where We Live. I want to welcome George Logan to our show. Again, he's a former state senator. He used to represent the 17th District, which included several towns between New Haven and Waterbury. Uh, He was born and raised in Connecticut. Uh, George Logan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lucy. Appreciate it. Good morning, everyone. I should get out of the way that you, besides being a, a longtime politician, uh, working for a long time at Aquarian, you're a pretty good guitar player, too. Oh, I appreciate that. It's a serious uh, side hobby of mine. I, I started taking it up in uh, high school and I've, uh, you know, it's my uh, solace. You know, every uh, day I practice a little bit. Now, in your campaign announcement, you mentioned that you're the son of immigrants. I believe your grandparents came from or were from Jamaica. They moved to Guatemala. That's where your parents were born and raised. And then they came to Connecticut in in the 1960s. So where did you grow up and and how did your upbringing lead you into politics, George? Sure, sure. I grew up in uh, inner city uh, New Haven, in the hill section of New Haven. Um, You know, as you mentioned, I've got uh, parents from uh, Guatemala, Central America, and I've got uh, cousins and, um, you know, my grandmother was here when I was growing up. And so I learned a lot in terms of uh, the local culture of my uh, neighborhood and also of my uh, Latino uh, background uh, as well. So um, a lot of the customs uh, from uh, my Latino roots were integrated in my growing up. So uh, it was a a great upbringing, a very uh, diverse uh, community uh, in New Haven that I grew up in. You were a Connecticut senator representing, as I mentioned, the 17th district. That includes Ansonia, where you live. Uh, you were a senator for four years, and you lost your reelection last November. So why run for Congress, George? Well, you know, I got a lot of assistance and help growing up, right, from humble economic uh, backgrounds. Uh, I spent a lot of times in my youth going to the uh, local Boys and Girls Club and YMCA. And there are a lot of people, you know, along the way uh, that uh, helped me out. So it just got ingrained in my head that once I uh, made it, and that meant graduating from college and getting a job, that then it would be my turn to give back uh, to, uh, you know, a state, a community that's given me uh, so much. So I've been consistently, I'm 52 years old now, I've been consistently over the last 25 plus years, uh, you know, volunteering at different uh, organizations. Uh, um, it's just uh, something in me uh, to try to uh, help, uh, you know, help others. And I found that by 
volunteering and helping others, it also um, uh, helps me to grow as a person as well. And I found, uh, you know, uh, good success, uh, even in the business community and my private life uh, by, uh, you know, helping others. I, I see it all as we're all in a network, uh, you know, together trying to improve uh, um, our lives. And I think the, you know, people power of people, uh, you know, individuals working together um, in a group, uh, with different uh, thoughts and ideas and backgrounds, I think it's the best way to come up with uh, solutions to our common problems. So was this something on your on your ambition list to run for Congress or did the state Republican Party approach you, George Logan? Again, uh, Johanna Hayes made a history in our state as the first black woman to represent the fifth district. You're a man of color and now you're interested in running in this district. Well, you know, uh, growing up, um, my focus after college was my, uh, you know, career and, um, you know, uh, raising a family, you know, and getting a home and, you know, getting all of my finances together, that sort of thing. So I spent a lot of time doing that. And I had sort of um, down the road, the, the idea or notion that I would get involved uh, in the community in terms of uh, public service. I didn't know if that meant, you know, at the local uh, town or municipal level or at the state level. Or, or, or in Congress. But, you know, over time, I've sort of uh, you know, developed more and more uh, experience in terms of, uh, you know, representing my, uh, my district, more and more experience in terms of what, seeing what the needs are of folks uh, throughout uh, Connecticut. And I think, uh, you know, the 5th Congressional District uh, going to Congress, uh, that's the race that excites me uh, most right now. And I think I can make the biggest uh, uh, impact uh, to the folks in Western Connecticut um, uh, through this, uh, um, you know, through this election, through this um, uh, running for the fifth in the uh, uh, our congressional district, I think it's uh, exciting. It's a time for a change. You know, me personally, I just don't believe that this uh, one-party rule that we have here in uh, Connecticut and in Washington uh, is healthy uh, for the overall, um, you know, moving forward for the overall health of our uh, our state or our nation. Um, you know, I do believe in uh, diversity of thoughts and ideas. Uh, and I think it's about time we, we get a Republican in our congressional delegation to help pull the rest of the folks more towards the center. I think we're leaning a bit too far left in terms of our representation here in Connecticut uh, and in Washington. I'd mentioned or uh, asked you if the if the state party had approached you to run, George. Uh, we know that it's been a, a rough time for Republicans in recent years. Uh, we know that it's been a long time that a Republican has held a, a congressional seat in our state. Uh, there's no uh, Republicans in statewide office. Uh, Democratic governors expected to run for re-election uh, next year. And you mentioned that you feel that uh, that things have gone uh, too far left, but in, in the sense that you know voters will vote for people that they. They want to see uh, in office. And so a lot of that leads to the type of candidate uh, and the issues that they support. So let's talk about some of the issues. If you're elected to be in the fifth district, what do you want to accomplish in Washington? Sure. Uh, when I get out in the community and I talk to folks, whether it's individuals or businesses, uh, right now at the top of the list is uh, affordability. You know, uh, inflation is increasing at a, a much higher, higher rate than we would like. And, and everything from the cost of a gallon of gas to milk to diapers to childcare is, uh, is going up. And I believe, I feel that the policies uh, that we have coming out of the Biden administration, uh, that is uh, uh, more spending, uh, increasing taxes on uh, on folks. I think uh, that is going to lead to further uh, inflation, and it's going to put a, a further um, you know burden on the folks in uh, Western Connecticut. You know, we need uh, individuals to be able to afford uh, to live. Um, we need uh, businesses to be able to thrive and you know have the opportunity to grow and to hire more people. And I think we need more of a focus uh, in that area. 
You're hearing George Logan here on Where We Live. He's a Republican candidate running for the 5th Congressional District seat against Representative Johanna Hayes. Uh, he hopes to run against her and launched his campaign. Uh, so a lot to happen between now and, and next year, uh, George Logan. But if you have a question for him, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, you mentioned inflation and spending um, cutting taxes. Uh, but the 5th District, uh, we're getting a lot of uh, comments on social media because the 5th District includes uh, the town of Newtown, where uh, we know what happened there, a tragedy affecting so many lives, so many people. There's been uh, increased support for a change in gun laws. Where do you stand? Well, here in Connecticut, we have uh, some of the most restrictive uh, gun laws in all of the uh, the nation. So I don't think we need any additional uh, uh, restrictions on gun laws here in, uh, in Connecticut. Uh, and I am um, in, in favor of the Constitution. I want to go to Washington to support the Constitution. Uh, I think the Second Amendment, uh, as well as all the rest of the Constitution, is something that you know we must not take lightly to try to infringe on those uh, those rights. Uh, I think some of the issues that we're seeing uh, here in Connecticut and in the nation in terms of, uh, uh, of violence um, has uh, more to do the, to other factors than necessarily simply uh, firearms. So I think it's important that we uh, stay focused I think having uh, opportunities for folks and jobs and, uh, you know, people want to be able to uh, support themselves and their families. I think that's where the focus uh, needs to be. And again, here in Connecticut, we have some of the most restrictive gun laws in uh, all of the uh, nation. Uh, So, again, looking at the economy, looking at affordability, uh, that's really where my priority is. But when we look nationwide, uh, interest from uh, many Americans to support background checks for all gun purchases. Where do you stand on that? And also, uh, would you support a federal ban on assault weapons in large capacity magazines if elected to Congress, George? So here in Connecticut, we already have um, an assault weapon uh, ban, uh, if you will. Nationally, you know, I would go to Congress and we would have the debate uh, on that to make sure we define what an assault uh, you know, weapon is um, and looking at all those uh, factors. Uh, again, I would not take it lightly. I'm absolutely open to the discussion, uh, but we have to have some good reason, real tight legislation to take a look at uh, any further infringements on, um, on our Second Amendment uh, rights. It's something I take very, very seriously and nothing to be taken uh, cavalierly. So any infringement on our Second Amendment uh, rights is, uh, you know, something that I'm very, very uh, hesitant to uh, move on and change. So, uh, you know, it, it takes um, sensibility, it takes discussion, um, and that is what I'm certainly committed to doing. Uh, one more question related uh, to gun laws. Uh, you were a state senator for, I believe, four years. Uh, Connecticut Against Gun Violence uh, wants to know why you voted against banning bump stocks. It's the device used to convert assault weapons into machine guns. Well, again, um, looking at a title of a bill and folks coming up with uh, you know, legislation, uh, proposed bills that really are more uh, political stunts than actually practical. So while they're spending time in Connecticut talking about uh, bump stocks, when here uh, in Connecticut, one, we already have this assault weapons ban. Two, there's no uh, company that was making uh, you know bump stocks here in uh, bump stocks here in Connecticut. So to me, it was a, a, a symbolic. Uh, a waste of time uh, to try it, you know, to pass something like that, to de- debate something like that when it's really not uh, an issue uh, here in Connecticut. So that's the reason why. I mean, again, I want practical solutions to real uh, problems and not just 
these sort of uh, you know symbolic uh, gestures that don't really uh, get to the root of the uh, of the problem. Which again, here in Connecticut, uh, it's a matter of um, you know jobs and, and opportunity and affordability supporting you know our communities and our, our law enforcement and working together on those topics and those issues and those areas that are actually going to make a difference uh, here in, uh, in Connecticut. Again, you're hearing George Logan here on Where We Live. He's running in the 5th District to unseat incumbent Democrat uh, Congresswoman Johanna Hayes. You can join us with your question. We know the 5th District uh, is an interesting district, a lot that's happened there in recent years. If you are a resident of the 5th District, you can ask George Logan a question at 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. I mentioned that you live in Ansonia. That's not in, in the 5th Congress. District. So, so talk about, uh, you know, at what point do you plan to move if this is something you're serious about? Sure, I mean, it's something I'm very serious about. But, you know, first of all, uh, I currently, where I live right now, I meet the residency requirement to run for uh, Congress. So that's not, uh, you know, the issue at all. Uh, but going back in history, uh, when I was uh, uh, first, when I was married uh, back in 1995, I was married in Brookfield. Brookfield is in the 5th Congressional District. The very house that I live in today, uh, the bed that I uh, go to sleep in today, the same one that I sleep in back in 2000 when I moved in, was in the 5th Congressional District. And due to uh, redistricting, uh, those lines changed. So we're talking, and so I was part of the community then. Um, I work in, in several towns uh, throughout uh, the 5th Congressional District. I have for the last 25 years. I even built a bridge in one of the towns, worked on various uh, water systems. I, I'm a, a water company uh, engineer and executive. Uh, and I'm also a member of the Housatonic Valley Association. Uh, board of directors i'm the vice president i've been on that for several years so i have lots of touches in the fifth uh, congressional district i have been a part of the community for the last 25 uh, you know plus years uh, and i will uh, plan to continue to do that and i'm hopeful to be able to represent um, the folks in the fifth congressional district uh, you know come november 2022 now um, as far as moving i already have plans to um, uh, to move uh, to buy another uh, property and i can't uh, you know think of a better place than uh, western connecticut uh, for my new home you can join our conversation, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Peter's calling from Litchfield. Peter, what's your question? Sure, thanks so much. Uh, I was just wondering if Mr. Logan could get a little bit more specific when he said uh, pushing back against the Biden administration, raising taxes and spending. So that's often sort of a trope that's given out there. But if you could drill down a little bit and give real specifics in terms of what taxes have been raised, what spending uh, that's different from previous administrations, that would be great. Sure. I mean, okay. the, the general idea, the theory here is that um, spending uh, more uh, money, uh, increasing taxes um, and, and you know, utilizing them for uh, programs that perhaps are, are redundant, perhaps that um, I think are uh, not efficient uh, is not the way to go. I mean, Inflation is the, the bane of uh, many uh, uh, countries. Uh, you take a look at um, um, other countries like uh, Venezuela, Colombia, uh, take a look at the history of the United States of America. Whenever we've had hyperinflation, it has led to bad uh, things for the country. So uh, my focus is not to be in a rush to raise taxes. Uh, Lucy, I heard you mention uh, lowering taxes. Uh, look, look, my focus right now is not to raise a, a tax. I think mm -hmm. we need to become uh, better at not raising taxes and find ways to um, make it easier uh, for folks to have opportunities for employment, for businesses to thrive. Because I believe that the only way that we're going to be able to get out of 
this economic uh, crisis that we're in in a sustainable way is by having a healthy economy where uh, you know businesses are thriving and people have opportunities for jobs and to work. Uh, so by um, um, you know, giving out uh, 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 money, uh, by uh, increasing uh, taxes, by increasing inflation, I think that has the opposite effect of attempting to uh, make a healthier, stronger uh, economy. And, and I, I believe in, if you look at the, the United States in our past uh, history, uh, when we have uh, more controlled spending, uh, when we're not raising taxes, when we are focused on uh, keeping the economy healthy, uh, we have seen good things uh, happen. And so that's where my uh, focus is on. Look, we need to make sure that we take care of those uh, folks uh, that are um, uh, in a bad situation, um, that need uh, assistance or a leg up, but we need to do that in an effective manner. And Washington just has a tendency of not being very efficient and wasting a lot of money, right? You take a look at the COVID package, right? Um, the Democrats' leadership in Washington, $1. trillion uh, proposal, you know, and over a trillion dollars of that funding is unrelated to combating, you know, the coronavirus. You know, that's a, just an example. Uh, you know, that, that package includes uh, uh, Billions of dollars, like I heard a number like three or almost four hundred billion dollars to bail out states like California and New York that are poorly run. So those are the kinds of things that are you know put in legislation in bills that I believe uh, don't serve the, the true intent of it, and it results in a lot of uh, extra uh, spending and uh, you know not really focused on the true intent of uh, many of the uh, bills that are put out there. Let's talk more about the COVID uh, relief money. Uh, you'd said that, you know, a lot of it is uh, wasteful. But when we think about how low-income Americans, even middle-class families, have struggled in this pandemic, I'm looking at a report from CNBC that Americans added nearly $4 trillion to their savings during the pandemic. Most of those gains went to the wealthy. And so when we talk about COVID relief, um, if you think part of it was a waste, I mean, how would you support lower-income and middle-income um, families in this country, George? I would support them by giving folks more opportunities because uh, I believe that uh, you know folks want to have that uh, ability uh, to be able to work uh, and to be able to afford and to be able to pay um, you know their bills and to provide opportunities for their um, you know for their families. Um, I don't believe that uh, you know temporary one-time um, you know giveaway uh, of, of of cash or, or money is going to do it. We need they need folks need we need jobs right. We need sustainable jobs. We need good paying jobs. We need a healthy economy uh, that is supported by our elected officials in uh, uh, you know Congress. I think that is the best way to uh, lift people, lift individuals, lift our families uh, out of uh, of poverty. But we were, uh, you know, living an unprecedented time with a, a worldwide uh, public health crisis and that COVID relief money helping people who weren't able to work or, frankly, were afraid to work. And so we know that federal unemployment benefits are going to be expiring in September. Schools hopefully will be reopening. Uh, when we think about the, the labor demand and some of that easing, when you talk about an economic crisis, what do you mean? Uh, well, Coming out of the pandemic, right? We need to uh, our economy needs to recover. So, as a, uh, elected officials, I believe Congress's role is to come up with uh, policies and a plan that's uh, going to uh, make the uh, economic recovery of our nation uh, as uh, you know, quick and efficient and smart as uh, possible. Uh, and I believe that. Um, 
uh, increasing uh, spending in a way that uh, doesn't directly you know, help the, uh, the economy, that doesn't directly uh, help the individuals that these uh, bills uh, supposedly are, are, are aimed to help, I think that doesn't uh, um, help at, at all. And again, I gave the example of the COVID uh, uh, package. Uh, I think that package uh, uh, does have a lot of, of spending that is not directly in line with the uh, pandemic. And I think that's the uh, problem. I think Congress uh, oftentimes uh, uh, plays those types of uh, tricks and, and roles and, and adding uh, extra spending that uh, you know, doesn't hit the root of the uh, problem. We have to stop that. Again, you're hearing George Logan. He's a Republican candidate running in the 5th Congressional District race against incumbent Johanna Hayes. You can join our conversation. We're going to take a quick break, but stay on the line. Here's the number, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. ECMO is a leading-edge, life-saving treatment for patients with cardiac or respiratory failure. Dr. Jason Gluck, director of the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program and Emergency Cardiac Care at Hartford Hospital, explains what it is. So ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, outside the body oxygenation of blood. It's a life support technique that's used by highly sophisticated medical systems for patients with severe heart or lung failure. The technique involves removing blood from the body, oxygening it, and then returning it back. ECMO procedures happen in the ICU, but not all hospitals are equipped with the necessary technology and staff. Dr. Gluck describes Hartford Hospital's ECMO Go team. So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center, with a special ECMO on the go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Will 2022 be the year Republicans win control of the U.S. House? My guest is hoping to flip Connecticut's 5th Congressional District seat. Former State Senator George Logan is a Republican who's launched a campaign against incumbent Democrat Rep- Representative Johanna Hayes. If you live in the 5th District, what questions do you have for George Logan? 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Eric's calling in. Go ahead, Eric, with your question. Uh, hi, thank you for taking the call. Uh, I am from New Haven, not in the 5th District, but the senator doesn't have to live in the 5th to run. I guess I don't have to live in it to ask a question. Uh, I actually have two questions. Uh, the first is, does the senator support the For the People Act and the John Lewis Act, uh, especially the nonpartisan gerrymandering part, uh, considering that would probably help him in the fifth if we did have nonpartisan gerrymandering. And the second is, the senator's talking a lot about fiscal responsibility. Where would he have fallen on the tax cut that went through the GOP Congress uh, and under President Trump, which uh, flowed mainly to the wealthiest and to corporations, had very little impact on uh job creation and went mostly into buybacks and uh, into the wealthiest pockets. Uh, And I appreciate you taking my call. Thank you. 
All right, let's do the, the voting rights legislation question first. And let's talk about the tax cuts under Trump, George. The, the uh, For the uh, People Act, where um, I think we're talking about uh, voter registration as an, uh, uh, an opt-in uh, system uh, to an opt-out process. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, anything that uh, helps to uh, encourage folks uh, to vote, I think is a good thing. However, the integrity of our voting system is also extremely uh, important as well. And an opt-out uh, uh, process, um, you know, considering um, the you know, diversity of all the folks that we have in the United States of America, when considering uh, all of the uh, so many undocumented persons that we have, we need to make sure that the folks that are, are voting are voting in the right area, uh, that they are actually eligible to vote, uh, that sort of thing. So an opt-out uh, process in our society, I think, uh, uh, is uh, quite uh, uh, problematic. Uh, the Republican Party often talks about making sure that there's integrity in elections. But when we look at the what happened in our last presidential election, very little evidence of voter fraud. And you had a president who continued to perpetuate uh, what uh, was not true in that he won this race and it was taken away from him. And so how do you address that as a Republican? Well, you know, as an American citizen, I think folks have a right to, you know, question uh, any results of any election or any process, you know, in a, a you know r- respectful, correct uh, uh, manner. Uh, but you know, I, I certainly do not uh, believe in any uh, you know, unfounded, um, uh, you know, assumptions. Or uh, I, you know, I base my uh, opinions and thoughts on on facts and um, um, and science and uh, those sorts of things. So, you know, I'm all ears. I think folks have a right to question um, any election results, question what the government, uh, you know, is doing. Uh, but I, I certainly am not supportive of, uh, of espousing um, false or uh, unproven narratives uh, without the disclaimer that it's an unproven narrative and just an opinion. So uh, that's where I stand on that. Well, we are definitely living in a time where our country has become uh, more uh, divisive. And when we uh, hear that many people still don't believe uh, the election results, isn't that problematic as somebody who wants to go to Washington to fix all the problems that we have, George? Well, I, I think that's part of the, the problem. We have this radical partisanship that's uh, you know out there, right? Uh, folks on the extreme left and folks on the extreme uh, right. I think we need to bring more sensibility to Washington. That's precisely why I'm I'm running. Uh, I have a, a history of uh, bringing people together. I, for example, I was able to win a couple election cycles in what was considered um, a, a blue or Democrat uh, district. I worked. Uh, well with folks on both sides of the aisle to find uh, so, you know, uh, solutions to our common problems and working together. And I uh, um, look for uh, folks with different thoughts and ideas, because oftentimes I find that um, we're all looking to solve the same uh, problem, but we may do it, go at it at a, at a different way. Uh, and I believe that the uh, incumbent Congresswoman Hayes, uh, you know, she is a, a part of that problem that we have in, in Washington. Uh, you know, when she supports, you know, 100 percent of the time uh, the policies and, and issues of Nancy Pelosi, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make decisions that are in the best interest of the people 
of Connecticut and of uh, Western Connecticut uh, specifically. Uh, you know, so that's exactly why I want to go to Washington. I want to change the tenor. And how do you do that? You, you, you do that by getting different people down there uh, and bringing more sensibility down to, uh, to Washington. So the way I have conducted myself here in Connecticut, the way I've conducted myself in the legislature, uh, uh, in our community, uh, I uh, plan on bringing that to Washington and, uh, and helping change the, uh, the tide there in terms of the, uh, the attitudes that we've got going on down there. We need uh, folks working uh, more together we need folks from both sides of the aisle to find common ground. And I think I'm a, a good individual for uh, help, helping to achieve that. Let's take some more calls from listeners. You can join us, too, if you have a question for Republican candidate for the 5th Congressional District seat. That's George Logan with us today, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. Keith is calling in. Go ahead, Keith, with your question. Keith, can you hear me? It doesn't look like Keith is uh, there anymore. Uh, so let's take uh, Jake. Jake, uh, you're on the show. Go ahead. Hi. Um, candidate Logan has talked a lot about um, inflation. And one way to deal with inflation is to um, ensure that wages rise with inflation. So I'm curious about his stance on raising the federal minimum wage to a living wage and then tying increases in that um, wage to inflation and also as an employer, whether he's willing to commit that his company will tie his employees' wages to um, inflation to support their own families. Sure. You know, when we take a look at uh, inflation and, and wages, uh, certainly, you know, here in Connecticut, uh, we have one of the highest uh, minimum wages in all the uh, the nation, right? So, and we still are in an economic crisis here. Nationally, the federal minimum wage is much uh, lower. I'm certainly in favor of uh, reviewing that and looking at that uh, to make sure it is at the right the level. But I just don't believe that artificially uh, increasing the minimum wage uh, is going to solve uh, our problems. I think we need a healthy economy where businesses are competing for workers. They're competing for employees. Uh, and I think that's the better way to, uh, you know, to increase wages. You, you, you talk about a livable uh, a wage. What's a little, livable wage? You know, uh, I, I think we need to uh, give folks opportunities. We need to uh, uh, focus on uh, improving our uh, economy, having businesses grow, and we need to have uh, businesses out there that are, are, are you know, competing uh, for employees, that we're giving, making sure folks have the uh, ability to you know, be properly uh, educated and, and, you know, and trained and uh, to be able to uh, utilize their uh, unique gifts uh, to come up with uh, um, ways to help uh, you know, society in, ter in terms of um, uh, employment uh, in terms of, uh, you know, taking care of their families and those sorts of things. So, yes, I do believe that we as, as uh, Congress always needs to look at the federal minimum wage, uh, make sure it's at the right level. But I don't think that the minimum wage should be used as the uh, panacea for solving uh, poverty. It, it just that just hasn't uh, hasn't worked and it's not going to work. Uh, we need to make sure that we have a healthy, vibrant economy and that we're providing individuals with enough opportunities uh, so that they can uh, that they can thrive. And that's what's uh, we're lacking now. Paul's calling in from Newington. Paul, what's your question for George Logan? Hey, George. Uh, listen, I, I just want to say thank you. It's very refreshing um, to, to have a voice um, and, and have a voice be heard. I'm a retired law enforcement. I did 20 years in the NYPD, uh, retired as a sergeant, and I've never seen such disconnect uh, between civilians and law enforcement. And I'm wondering if, um, you know, a strategy uh, may be put in place to, you know, try to give the, the police officers 
and law enforcement a little bit more power, get their power back. I feel like their hands are tied in so many situations, and um, it's causing a lot, a lot of problems. Yeah, thank you for that uh, for that comment and that question. I mean, first of all, I want to thank you for your service to our community as well. You know, uh, you and others in law enforcement who you know risk your lives every day to keep our families and our communities safe. I think it's uh, uh, something that we should always uh, uh, respect. Now, here in Connecticut, um, you know, when you take a look at what's uh, happening here in Connecticut to the law enforcement, we have lots of good law enforcement here in Connecticut. Lots of community uh, policing. I believe that law enforcement can always be improved. There's no question of, about it. Uh, but to go to the extreme of, uh, you know, of, of disfunding the police and dismantling police departments uh, here in Connecticut or nationally, I just don't think that's the way to go. And I think because of the poor leadership from a lot of the left-leaning Democrat leadership in Washington, uh, I think what it's, it's doing is sending the wrong uh, message. And I think that's why you see this wave of uh, uh, partly responsible for this wave of crime that we see uh, here in Connecticut, increasing throughout uh, Connecticut, particularly the western uh, part of Connecticut and the nation uh, as well. I think law enforcement is a very vital and important part of, uh, of, of keeping our, our nation uh, you know, civilized and safe. And we need to work with law enforcement and not uh, be focusing our time and spending our time looking for ways to defund the police and dismantle police. That is absolutely the wrong way to go. I am. I don't believe that it's good to be soft on uh, on crime. Uh, again, I go back to giving folks uh, opportunities and a reason to be uh, productive in society is the way to go. Uh, but those who uh, do commit criminal acts and break the law, uh, they should suffer consequences for that. And the public needs to know that. It is it's not okay to break the law. It's not okay to hurt people. It's not okay to rob uh, individuals. Uh, and I don't believe that this uh, uh, soft on crime attitude from uh, the, you know, the incumbent uh, in our congressional delegation here in Connecticut and uh, you know the Democrat leadership in Washington, I don't think it's the way to go. And I think that's partly why you see um, a, a lot of the discord and uh, violence uh, uh, throughout the nation. Richard's calling in from Woodbridge. Richard, go ahead with your question. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Um, if you became a member of Congress, um, so much, so many of the Republican delegation buy into the big lie that Trump actually won the election. What's your opinion about this? Thank you. Sure. No, uh, thank you for that. Um, uh, I do um, believe that uh, Joe Biden is the president of the United States of America. Uh, I. I'm running for Congress. You know, campaigns are about the about the future. Uh, so, you know, I don't spend a lot of time uh, going back in uh, in history. I want to move forward. Now, the next presidential election, I certainly uh, will be uh, hoping that we get a, a more fiscally conservative uh, individual as president of the United States. Uh, but right now, uh, Joe Biden is the president of the United States of America. His policies are the ones that uh, I will uh, be uh, trying to uh, influence. Uh, in Washington uh, next year. Uh, and I want to do everything uh, possible to uh, make sure that I help to pull uh, these policies more towards the center, because I think they're just way too uh, uh, left-leaning. Uh, and I think we need more conservatism in, uh, in Washington. Mm -hmm. And I want to bring okay. that uh, to Washington. And George, related to that question, my colleague uh, Colin wants to know, were House Republicans right to oppose certification of those 2020 election results? How would you have voted? So 
you know, again, my focus is on moving uh, forward. Um, so if I should, if I was in the in Congress, uh, I would take a look at the uh, situation and look at the uh, facts and, and the numbers. Now, as an outsider, someone who's not uh, in Congress, you're asking me how I would have uh, voted on it, but I would have certified the uh, the election based on what I know and what I what I read. But I would not discourage. I would not discourage folks to continue to investigate and to look and uh, find irregularities. And uh, if there's something uh, there, then I think it should be taken up at the appropriate uh, time. Uh, But to not uh, certify the election results, that would not be something that I would take uh, uh, lightly. Uh, Laura tweeted at us that she lives in the 5th District. She wants to know your stance on the January 6th commission, George. Sure. Uh, So, you know, I... uh, I call it uh, Nancy Pelosi's January 6th commission. Uh, I am not in favor of that uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, January 6th commission because I think uh, she's uh, turned it uh, totally into a political, um, um, you know, uh, uh, a political tool. And I think it really needs to be something that's non-partisan. Uh, uh, it's fair. Look, I would have preferred to have uh, a non-partisan group like the Department of Justice uh, conduct this investigation. I remember when the uh, Democrats and Republicans couldn't come up with what this uh, January 6th commission should look like. And President Biden suggested, well, why don't, I, why don't I do a presidential commission? And Nancy Pelosi says, no way in the world will I allow that to, to happen. Why? Because she wants to control the January 6th commission. She is approving who gets to sit on the on the commission right so that to me is very problematic it's uh it's very partisan uh and i think uh, it does a disservice to all the uh the the, the people uh law enforcement the, those who lost their lives those that were hurt uh, i think we need to make sure that it's uh, it should be more of a, a non-partisan uh, investigation and we do not have that right now under the nancy pelosi january 6th commission I wanted to ask you before we we let you go, uh, on Thursday, the person that you're running against, Representative Johanna Hayes, posted a video that she took of campaign trackers following her outside her office. She says they do it every day. They're shouting at her the same questions over and over while pointing their cell phones at her. Uh, One of them became pretty irate when she would not answer them. Um, They're just seem to be trying to provoke her. Uh, we know what trackers do. This, this vi- these videos end up in campaign uh, videos. And um, in a message on Twitter, Representative Hayes blames the Republican Congressional Campaign Committee for sending these trackers. How do you respond or what's your response to this? And should trackers uh, be doing this uh, to candidates? Is it crossing the line? Look, first, first of all, I would start by saying, uh, Congresswoman Hayes, welcome to the uh, the big leagues. I don't know what you you know thought you were getting you're getting into running for uh, Congress. Uh, I deal with the same thing uh, myself. I'm, I'm I've never been a, a Congress person, uh, but uh, you know here in the state legislature on a, election day, I have folks with bullhorns. Uh, yelling at me while at, while I was at the at the polls. I've got trolls on social media. You know, I mean, again, this is the the total. This is the tenor that I'm trying to go to Washington to to change. Uh, you know, th- that those sorts of things happen on both sides of the you know of the aisle. Uh, so you know, again, I think it's a uh, you know a matter of the leadership in uh, in in Washington. Uh, you know, uh, uh, demanding, leading, and and you know, turning you know the the, the tide in terms of uh, attitudes and civility in terms of how we, uh, you know, handle uh, communicating with our elected officials and how we can handle um, getting our message and, and, and point across. But to, to consider this or call this some sort of uh, re- re- Republican made um, um, 
tactic. I, I would argue this was created by the, the Democrat leadership in Washington. They you know, perfected it. And it's a matter of uh, you know, both sides, uh, I think, uh, uh, perhaps could tone it down a bit as far as uh, that goes. I certainly believe that uh, Congresswoman Hayes and, and all the rest of uh, the folks in Congress, um, you know, should be um, given the ability to do their jobs. But the public also has a right, you know, as far as our First Amendment, to uh, ask whatever questions they want to videotape them. And under no circumstance would I uh, ever uh, pretend not to be uh, George Logan, pretend not to be me. You know, so, uh, you know, you've got to find a way to, uh, you know, handle those uh, distractions. Uh, I think I've been uh, pretty good at handling it myself at the uh, local level. And I certainly believe I can handle it uh, in, in Washington as well. But again, I would never de deny uh, who I am and I would never uh, pretend to be uh, someone else uh, when I'm the uh, Congress, thinking positively, when I'm the Congress uh, man representing the mm. 5th Congressional District. Mm. Uh, George, have you seen these videos? I mean, do you condemn this kind yes, of... Yeah, any and you think that this is just par for the job, that she should just handle uh, people chasing her with cell phones, becoming irate, shouting questions at her? Well, no, I, again, I don't, I, I am not in favor of that. I don't think uh, that's a, a great way to go, but to, for the congressman to um, um, impl uh, imply that she's the only one uh, that uh, experiences that is just not the uh, the case. So again, uh, I would like to see a change in terms of uh, civility and attitude um, uh, with folks uh, down in Washington. Um, uh, but I, I, you know, it's not something that I think is the way that we uh, should act as a you know as a nation. And I don't uh, you know support that. I would uh, I don't uh, condone that type of uh, um, behavior or activity. Um, you know, but you know when you're looking at uh, one party rule in Washington, when you're looking when you look at all the tactics that have been used uh, by the Democrat uh, leadership, uh, uh, that really you know, pales in comparison to uh, the, uh, the the tricks that have been played by the Democrat leadership in, uh, in Washington. So, um, you know, again, uh, it's uh, something that I'm hoping I can go down to uh, Washington and to uh, help to bring more uh, civility when when both when voices are, are, are when both sides of an issue, when voices feel that they're being heard, they're not going to take, I think, as uh, to those types of uh, tactics. But right now, you've got one party rule in Washington. Um, the country is, is leaning far to the left. And there are a lot of people, a lot of uh, a lot of individuals who are not happy with the way this the country is going. And I would argue that here in Connecticut, uh, there are a lot of uh, uh, Republicans, uh, um, um, uh, moderate Democrats, conservative-leaning Democrats, all of the unaffiliated voters here in Connecticut, many of whom are uh, con uh, conservative-leaning uh, as well, and they want to see something different. They want to see uh, a change, and they don't feel that their voice is being heard by the incumbent, Congresswoman Johanna Hayes, and I want to change that. I want to make sure that their voice is heard in Washington, and that I focus on the issues of the folks in the 5th Congressional District and not those of the leadership down in, uh, in Washington. We need to, uh, you know, I think, refocus and uh, really go down to Washington to represent the people who have actually elected us. You've been hearing George Logan here on Where We Live. He's a Republican candidate for the 5th Congressional District uh, seat. George, we'll probably have you back on. Uh, it's a long time between now and that election. We thank you for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate it. I look forward to the opportunity. Take care, everyone. This, Be safe. This is, where, this is Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. Coming up, we're going to hear from Christine Stewart from CT News Junkie and NBC Connecticut. You can join us, too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live.
is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We just heard from George Logan. He's a former state senator. He's a Republican running to unseat Democratic incumbent Representative Johanna Hayes in 2022. Christine Stewart joins us now on Zoom. She's owner and editor-in-chief of CT News Junkie, a reporter for NBC Connecticut. Christine, welcome back. Good morning. So where would you like to start? Shall we talk about uh, the trackers and George Logan's response uh, to uh, the big leagues? Yeah, they are the big league. So, uh, you know, just a walk down memory lane here. Uh, Trackers probably started in 2006. Um, I want to say maybe in the, you know, the Lieberman, uh, Ned Lamont race for the U.S. Senate. So um, I think that uh, they are part of politics and they have been since 2006. And I don't think that they are are going away. And I think that everybody, I I don't think that there's anybody who likes a tracker. And I don't know of anybody who, who is is a tracker who, um, you know, has been able to get that aha moment uh, captured on video. Uh, we talked about a lot of different issues. Let's talk about uh, gun laws, because, again, that fifth congressional seat, uh, uh, definitely a district uh, where uh, voters are concerned about gun laws in our country. I mean, anything, any surprises from George Logan as a Republican running on this issue? Oh, I mean, as a Republican running on this issue, I, I think that, um, you know, he obviously supports the the Second Amendment and doesn't believe that there's there's any reason to, um, you know, ban uh, assault weapons uh, nationally. We haven't had a national assault weapon ban since um, the Brady Act. So in, in Connecticut, we do. So Connecticut is is a little bit different. We did pass those laws in 2013 following Sandy Hook um, and Sandy Hook is in the fifth congressional district. This might be the first time um, some of our listeners have heard about George Logan. Tell us a little bit about what he was like as a a state senator uh, representing, I think, the 17th district and a little bit about his background. And is this something that, um, you know, does he have an uphill battle when we think about uh, running in the 5th district uh, with name recognition, but also the fact that Johanna Hayes is pretty popular? Yeah, so she's going, she's running for her third term. And so it's usually easiest to unseat an incumbent uh, after their their first term. Uh, so but the the fifth congressional district seems to be, um, you know, one of the lowest hanging fruits for for Republicans. Uh, it's a purple district. So uh, Republican registration is high, but they have not redistricted yet. Um, so the redistricting committee will be meeting um, and, and coming up with drawing those lines uh, in September. So I guess we will see exactly what it looks like, Uh, you know, but it is definitely a winnable district um, for Republicans, but it's hard to unseat uh, an incumbent. And there hasn't been a Republican from Congress in Connecticut since since what, 2000, since 2006, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so when we think about the type of money that this uh, this potential race uh, could bring uh, into our state, uh, this is a a fairly competitive uh, seat. It is definitely a competitive seat. Um, I, I do believe that nationally uh, it could get some some attention uh, if they do believe that that it is winnable. And, um, you know, former Senator Logan is a formidable candidate. And why is that? Tell us uh, what about him makes him formidable? Um, you know, I think that... Uh, Having had uh, having been in state office, so having that under his belt um, and 
uh, the fifth congressional district as far as voter registration is concerned. Um, you know, their Democrats do have the advantage, but uh, Republicans come pretty close. And Connecticut, uh, when you scratch the surface, there's um, there's always a cranky Yankee underneath. So um, <laughs> I, he kind of speaks to that, and he's not um, he's not necessarily. A partisan, uh, from what I saw up here, um, from his work in in the state senate, uh, it's not a hard. Um, it, he's not a strict partisan on on many of these issues. Uh, worked with his colleagues across the aisle on on several things. So, uh, moving on from uh, talking about George Logan's candidacy, uh, we know that uh, COVID, the numbers are starting to creep up. Uh, people are being asked to continue to mask indoors. A lot of people aren't happy about that, but we're not uh, some states uh, in the South, so that's a good thing. But what will you be watching for in the next few weeks, Christine? It should be interesting. I, you know, we're getting ready for back to school. So I think we're all waiting for Governor Lamont to make an announcement about whether um, kids will be mandated to wear their masks when they get back to school or if he's going to do like Charlie Baker did in Massachusetts and say, hey, look, that's up to uh, the, the local authorities. Um, you know, I think that we're going to see a lot of parents uh, nervous about sending their kids back to school. And then there's, you know, there's the divide. There's a lot of parents who don't want to send their kids back to school with a mask on because they don't believe that it's necessary. Uh, just wanted to uh, share my children uh, never complained about a mask. What about you, Christine? <laughs> um, it became a fairness issue because my daughter cannot be vaccinated because she is under the age of mm -hmm. 12. Um, and so uh, mommy is vaccinated and uh, she would like me to also wear my mask if she has to wear her mask. <laughs> Uh, before we go, you know, I want to ask you, you know, your opinion of what we're seeing with uh, the fallout from this uh, damning investigation against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and how uh, Governor Lamont and some of his colleagues, uh, peers rather, have handled this. Does it cramp uh, Lamont style that so much of what we've been doing in COVID related to New York's direction and now we have a governor who may be impeached? Yeah, I don't think that it... Um you know, that it reflects anything on, on Governor Lamont. Governor Lamont did reach out to Governor Cuomo in 2009 and, and tried to work with him on several issues before, before COVID even hit, tried to work with him on uh, cannabis uh, legalization and doing things similar with, with vaping across state lines, uh, you know, and he made friends with him. And I think it was really difficult yesterday to come out and, and to ask him to resign. But I think that the investigation uh, if you read the report, uh, is is very very clear, um, and there is a power differential, and it looks like Governor Cuomo used that um, to take advantage of some of the employees in his office. We've been speaking with Christine Stewart from CT News Junkie and NBC Connecticut. Christine, always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. Today's show produced by Matt Dwyer. Our technical producer is Kat Pastor. Carmen Baskoff was on the phones today. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up tomorrow, about one in three Americans lives in a doubled-up household. That is with other adults who aren't their partner or college-aged child. On the next Where We Live, we take a look at sharing a living space as an adult. Do you live with roommates? We hope to hear from you tomorrow. <laughs>